Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Michigan puts forth a solid, not spectacular effort in the season opener against East Carolina. We'll break it down next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yep. Brady gets terrific. Throws it, and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Kohler at the five. Championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. The Wolverines opened the 2023 football season, ranked number two, highest preseason rating since I was in high school. My senior year, 1991, the Wolverines were preseason number two that year as well. And Michigan beats East Carolina, a program that has been one of the better group of five programs. I mean, if you go all the way back to like the 70s, Pat Dye was their coach before he went on to uh, bigger and better things at Auburn. You think of Jeff Blake, and they had a year where they were uh, close to being ranked in the top 10. They have been one of the better group of five programs now for about a generation. Uh, Won eight games a year ago, been to bowl games the last couple of seasons. Now, there's a huge amount of turnover from those teams, but they've recruited fairly well for their level, particularly in the transfer portal. So this isn't, you know, the, the programs that were primordial soup like Hawaii in a year zero uh, that we faced last year. East Carolina is a program, not just a football team. So give them some credit. They played hard, um, particularly in, 
in the run game. They basically played the same kind of let's just stand around, clog the line of scrimmage, and then post-snap just blitz um, and all the gaps and try to stop Michigan's inside run game. TCU did that very effectively uh, in the bowl game. Then Michigan figured out you could run on the edges and you could throw down the field against this after a quarter of being stubborn. And Michigan did the same thing against ECU. Wins the game 30-3. to um, The highlight for me, obviously, is the play of J.J. McCarthy. And if you're, you know, it's a quarterback-driven sport nowadays. And ultimately, if you want to look at the, the, the difference in Michigan's two playoff appearances... Uh, I mean, TCU's quarterback last year wasn't great against us, but he didn't throw two pick sixes. J.J. did. The previous year, obviously, the Georgia quarterback way outplayed Cade McNamara in that game. That's the difference. When you get to this level, just very hard when you get to the level that Michigan wants to ultimately get at, the highest one, it's very hard at that point to just push the other team around. They're loaded with blue chippers, too. And so do you have a quarterback that can drive your team and your program? Uh, J.J. just wasn't quite ready for that last year. He wasn't the quarterback the year before. But, man, what we saw on Saturday, and, yes, you always consider the competition, but we'll talk in the next segment, consider the competition Ohio State played, too, and they looked like garbage on offense. So, um, in this case, I mean, J.J. had the highest completion percentage ever by a Michigan quarterback that had completed at least 30 passes. Uh, Made plays both um, from within the pocket Uh, play action, uh, made plays off platform, out of the pocket as well with his athleticism. Uh, Even when he got out of the pocket and scrambled, his head was down. He was looking uh, to make plays down the field. I mean, this was, you know, it was also a Bryce Underwood recruiting video, but uh, that you're going to see a lot of those plays on JJ's NFL draft tape next April when he's a first round draft pick, provided he stays healthy. That's how good he was. Uh, defensively, uh, there was just no running game to speak of for East Carolina, who prefers to be a run-first program, but they weren't going anywhere. Michigan completely dominated there. But there were, and I thought the Michigan secondary was also very good. Now, they didn't have to they didn't have to defend a lot. I mean, East Carolina was averaging, according to Pro Football Focus, a, a little less than two and a half seconds per pass attempt in terms of when the ball was released. So a lot of quick game to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands rather than face that Michigan pass rush. At first blush, I was very concerned about the lack of sacks. You know, go back and watch the game again, though, and you can see, I mean, it's tough to get to the quarterback in two, two and a half seconds. I mean, they they were clearly planning on just getting rid of the football. So a lot of underneath stuff. And even there, there was at least more pressures watching the the game again than I remember seeing the second time around. Now, I am concerned, though, about the run blocking, which seems weird for a team that's won the last two Joe Moore awards. I'm I'm not as concerned about it if J.J. is ready to take that next step and be a first-round quarterback because at that point – Hey, you guys want to play eight, nine covers in the box, cover zero all game long. Cool. You know, we'll just, you know, build up our you know future first round draft picks, uh, NFL draft tape for you. And we couldn't do that maybe the last couple of years. Now we can. So consider that with what I'm about to say next. But I, I do think you are watching teams and we predicted this during the offseason. You are watching teams now. I think you're going to see them play a lot of what TCU did. Now, if JJ continues to play as he did last Saturday, Eventually, teams are going to be like, we cannot just sit there and allow him to do that to us. And you have to pick your poison at that point and try to take one of the two away. And that's now where you have defenses back on their heels. And I think we're going to get there. 
and maybe sooner rather than later. But for now, I think this will be the opposite of what we saw last year during the non-conference. You know, a lot of us were shocked that teams played a lot of two high safeties, a lot of safeties back, just kind of let us grind them into talcum powder, rushing for three, 400 yards a game. And you're wondering, when are you guys going to load the box? Now is the answer. I think a lot of teams have decided we're just not going to let Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards just slow bleed us to death, let Michigan control the ball, particularly with the new clock rules. You can really shorten the game then. So this is why I said at the start of the year, I thought J.J. would be the the top Heisman candidate on this team because I forecasted teams would do this, that they would say, we're not going to let you repeat what you did to us a year ago. And if J.J. McCarthy's a you know, future or former five-star, future first-round draft pick, so be it. But we're going to make, it, make you prove it to us. And this past Saturday, he did. And I think there will be a few more Saturdays where he will get to prove that as well. And then the Michigan coaches have to prove. Kurt Campbell did. Now he was coordinating the offense. Jim Harbaugh was not there. Sharon Moore was not there. All right. But at least this Saturday, Michigan's coaches proved they're willing to let J.J. do that. I mean, J.J. could have thrown for 400, given the defense that East Carolina was playing. And if Lincoln Riley was the coach here, he probably would have. All right, But we believe in defense, complementary football, being physical here, not just, not just video game stats. And so that'll get factored in uh, to the process. But ultimately, what's, what these first few games are about are establishing that J.J. McCarthy is capable now of dissecting you. What he did against Ohio State was not a one-off. All right, Remember, he did play well against TCU except for the two pick sixes. Now, it's a little bit like saying, hey, you know what? That first date went great other than the fact you ripped your pants. Okay, But he did. He did play well. And he's, we still have the ball at the end with a chance to win. Okay, So if he is now ready to take that step and say, fine, you guys want to play that way, we will punish you and I'll lead the way then I think you'll see teams start to back off more as the year goes on and then decide, all right, let's see if that new offensive line can run block the way that the previous couple of years did. But until then, going to be many, many more opportunities for J.J. McCarthy to take advantage of a lot of loaded boxes and therefore a lot of man coverage down the field, just as he did on Saturday. If there's anything beyond the run blocking, because I do think at some point you're going to have a game where you're going to need to close it out. On the road, you know, uh, like say at Penn State, for example, you're going to want to close a game out and you're not going to want to throw the ball around and you're going to face that stacked box. Can you still run the ball? I think that is something that we still have to see this season. The other thing I think we should be concerned about, uh, well, two things, the backup quarterback position. That's clearly not Davis Warren. That was not a good audition for him. We'll see what Jack Tuttle does this weekend, although, you know, what he did at Indiana doesn't necessarily inspire confidence. So, I mean, put a force field and wrap him in cellophane and put a force field around J.J. McCarthy. The other concern, the kicking game. And it was always going to decline. I mean, you're, you're coming off the greatest kicker in the history of one of the greatest programs in the history of the sport. So there, there was going to be a downgrade from Jake Moody. And the issue with the new kicker was not what we thought. He actually banged home a 50-yarder right through the back of the net like it was nothing right before half. It was the consistency. Then he kicked a 52-yarder, shanked it badly, missed an extra point. All right, so that's the issue. Again, that kind of goes back to if you want to close a game out. Well, what if you need to win a game at the end, down the road, uh, on the road, and down the road at Penn State? Can that guy step in and kick that 44-yard field goal that wins you that game and keeps you in the national title hunt? That'll be something to watch 
as the season goes on. Saturday's performance didn't give a lot of confidence where that was concerned. All right, let's get the review of what uh, the Buckeye side of things thinks and find out what was that that Ohio State put on against Indiana last week. We'll do that with our good friend Mark Rogers here when we come back. Steve Dace here, and we get asked a lot, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing at Michigan Podcast? Well, now is a great time to become one of our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast is where you can go. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And if you go there, we're going to make you a little jingle. Uh, in fact, you would have gotten these a few months ago, before the, long before the season even started. All of my 2023 football futures bets I've made thus far. I can't recommend a selection any more than I bet this myself. And last year, if you followed my football futures bets and you bet alongside of me, you made a pretty nice ROI chunk of change by the time the season ended. So keep up to date on all things we think and do uh, here at Michigan Podcast patreon.com at Michigan podcast, but more importantly, just five bucks a month. And chances are, you're going to make a lot more money than that following our sports betting selections, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. And thanks to all of you that have been supporting us already. We appreciate each and every one of you go blue. Well, let's get another perspective here on the 10-minute war from our one and only sane, reasonable, bugnut Ohio State friend who also has a fantastic channel here on YouTube, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. Congratulations. The season is fully and officially underway, my friend, and we have the strongest non-conference week of games this week. So uh, this is actually one of the strongest weekends of games right now based on what we know for the entire year. So looking greatly looking forward to this weekend. My perfect weekend, by the way, Michigan plays a scrub, so I don't have to sweat that out at all and then get to watch all the other rest of the games that are really high drama as a fan. That's like my perfect weekend because when Michigan plays a big game on, on, the, on a big week, if we win, I'm so exhausted afterwards. It's, it's so relieving that it takes me a while to get back into the rest of the games. I need a come down. If we lose, I'm so down and depressed. It almost makes me not want to watch the rest of the game. So I like it when we play a scrub and there's a lot of big games because I know that I'll be into it the whole time. All right, but let's look back at what happened last week. We'll start with Michigan because I definitely want to talk about what we saw with your club. Okay, but let's, let's talk about with Michigan. To me, I think the big takeaway is I just said, Mark, you know, ECU basically came out in purple uniforms and said, let's impersonate TCU. And so we're just going to have a bunch of guys clog the line of scrimmage post snap. We'll run like a stack defense and post snap. We'll just, you know, slam the gaps with, with too much uh, manpower and make it impossible for you to run your inside zone stuff. And Michigan adjusted, uh, moved more to pin and poles on the outside, but really just said, Hey, JJ, zero coverage, man, light it up. And he did. That's the highest completion percentage ever by a Michigan quarterback that attempted at least 30 passes. Uh, a QBR of 96. And so I, I you know, I, I predicted, Mark, before the year, we would not see what we saw last year early on, where a bunch of teams played both safeties back and just let Michigan run the ball at will. That Mich- The teams would say, all right, you proved to us you're a first-round draft pick. Well, J.J. McCarthy took a big step towards proving that this past Saturday, I thought. Unfortunately, he did. <laughs> uh, you, you talk about us being college football fans, so you can't reasonably think that I was going to take this game in, <clears throat> excuse me, on Peacock uh, above the other games in college football. However, I take my role and my responsibilities here seriously, so I did 
catch up with the action and watched every JJ pass, watched uh, the first three quarters or so. He's delivering the football. You said a couple weeks ago, Steve, that it was almost like, and you said this more from the standpoint of the identity of units and, and projecting toward what this might look like, that these teams have switched uniforms. But we saw the switch of uniforms on the field on Saturday. And I know we'll get to Ohio State, but J.J. McCarthy looks great. He looks phenomenal. He threw a few passes that uh, everything looked just clean and sharp and confident and delivered on time. And some of them, some tight window throws to the sidelines that mm -hmm. I thought were extremely impressive. Yeah, he's an elite quarterback if he keeps this up. And Mark, I, I think he's going to see this for the next few weeks. I, I, I think it's going to be a few weeks where he's going to have to stack like Big Ten Player of the Week kind of performances because everybody knows what, what Blake Corum is. Everybody knows. Everybody knows after Blake got hurt last year what Donovan Edwards is. He averaged seven yards a carry. Different kind of running back, right? Not necessarily the guy that, you know, helps you dominate time of possession and, and, control, and, and ball control, more of a, a home run hitter type. But everybody knows what those guys can do. Everybody knows that Blake's going to be one of the top 10 rushers in Michigan history. Everybody knows Donovan Edwards could be a first or second round draft pick next year. Everybody knows that. And I think it's going to be a few more weeks that teams are going to play a very similar run scheme. Almost, And I, and I almost wonder if it's more in doubt of the Michigan coaches at this point than J.J., which is... Are you sure you guys aren't going to just be stubborn here and just keep running the ball on purpose? Are you really willing to take zero coverage and yes for an answer? Now, without, without Harbaugh there, without Sharon Moore there, Kurt Campbell, the fill-in OC, all right, who has more of a quarterback passing background, you could see what happened. Michigan started that first possession on the two, tried inside zone three times in a row, went nowhere. Very next possession, Kirk's like, all right, well, I'm calling the plays today. We're not doing this, okay? So I, I, I could see teams when Jimmy gets back, like, okay, we think, we, we know JJ's capable. Is Jimmy really willing to let it, let, take the training wheels off? Let's prove it, okay? That I could see. And so it, while that is still working its way out here in the first quarter or so of the season, I could see JJ putting up some pretty monster, well, Ohio State quarterback-like numbers. Not the kinds of things we typically see from Michigan because of the way I think teams are going to play us right now. And not completely connected to all of that, but the, the dynamic that you just referenced, the communication with the coaches and how that's all working and Jim Harbaugh doing a Jim Harbaugh thing and splitting up those duties as he has been and will continue to do for the next two weeks. I didn't see I didn't see every play of the game, but I saw most of the game. I didn't see any hiccups, any miscommunications, anything that would cause a delay of game or a timeout or anything like that. Bad formation, wrong formation. Maybe there were a few things in there. I, I don't know. So that that I've got to give a lot of credit to the continuity of the the coaching staff and working all that out. Uh, you know this this team. Uh, maybe it's just that I see these uniforms and I don't believe that they can throw it as well as they throw it or something uh, is a mental block for me elevating this team to the that's, very that's top. That's exactly of what I was just talking about. I think other coaches are going to have that too. They're like, yeah, I know we watched the film on JJ. We watched that. We watched that NFL throw there. We watched that tight window throw there. But is, is Jim Harbaugh going to be content? All right. The only guy to keep Andrew Luck under 3,000 yards passing. All right. Is Jim Harbaugh going to be willing to let J.J. do that? 
And I think it'll be a few weeks where teams are going to continue to play us this way just to see. Because they know if they don't, they know what that offensive line and Blake Corum will do against six and seven man boxes. They know that. that that's that been proven over the last couple of years. And it's only one game and the coverage wasn't necessarily tight much of the time, but at times it was. It was legitimate cover. There was a guy there with a hand between the receiver's uh, arms and the receivers came through. Uh, the two top guys that have a lot of experience, Roman Wilson, uh, Cornelius Johnson looked good. I saw some catches where the ball was slightly behind or there was a contested throw and they stretched for it. They, they just didn't drop it like they did. You know, there was a stretch of games last season where J.J. took some shots and sure, he misfired early. The narrative was he keeps overthrowing and I think that was a little bit overplayed. And then he started to hone in a little bit better those couple of weeks before Ohio State, but they just let him down didn't bring the ball in, and uh, I know it's only one game and uh, only a few contested catches, but they made them. Let's talk quickly about defense. Keep in mind, a preseason All-American corner didn't play. That defense was nasty throughout much of the game. Um, ECU had not been shut out since 1997, Mark, Michigan's last national championship. All right, Andy Katzenmoyer, was your starting middle linebacker the last time? What's he doing? Where's he? Who's he selling pharmaceuticals for right now? Do you know? Because that's that's your typical. No matter if it's Michigan, Ohio State, what the if you're a big time program, okay, and a guy couldn't make it in the pros, but was a big timer for you, he usually ends up selling like real estate or pharmaceuticals or insurance, right? Okay, nice living though, okay. Um, but Andy Katz and Moyer, neck roll and all, was your middle linebacker the last time East Carolina was shut out. They had to call a timeout and kick a field goal on the last play of the game in a very effeminate gesture to avoid a shutout. And even if you just looked at the body types of, of guys that Michigan played out, out, out there on, def, on defense, on that side of the ball, you know, last year the, the first couple linebackers, Barrett and Colson, were, were good. But then after that, you're like, hope nobody gets hurt. I, I thought the level of depth and athleticism that was shown on that side of the ball was – superior to actually what we've seen even the last couple of years. Josh Wallace, I think I brought him up during our last conversation about, uh, you know, trying to take that cornerback position to a second, a third, a fourth guy that will be able to cover. I think I got to say Penn State's probably the first one that's going to present that kind of a challenge. Um, Yeah, he made a play down the right sideline that was – you don't see cornerbacks making those plays very often mm-hmm. where he looked like a receiver. The body contortion, the ball skills, the footwork in, uh, along the sideline, that was a pretty remarkable play. And I've always thought this of athletes. If they show it that they're capable, even if they're inconsistent players, and we don't know this about Josh Wallace, we just know that he didn't play any meaningful games. But if they show you once, you know they're capable of repeating that. So he must be that good of an athlete. There's one play Mason Graham makes a play on he gets in on the tackle on a guy on a uh, a, a bubble screen kind of a play 30 yards downfield horizontally. All right, so literally moving sideline to sideline like a middle linebacker at nose tackle. I mean, I just I even I had I even tweet made sure to sing, single it out in real time on Twitter when it happened. Mason Graham literally 30 yards past the point of attack horizontally in on that tackle. All right, anyway, let's 
Let's talk about what happened with your club on Saturday against Indiana. Worst quarterback passing performance of the Ryan Day era strategically. Fewest points scored against Indiana in 30 years. Emeka Obuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's just stick to Marvin Harrison Jr. So Roman Wilson had three touchdown catches. Marvin Harrison Jr. had two catches. Two. The whole game. I don't know what was going on with Devin Brown. Brought him in. Yeah, that looks shaky. Not letting him go back. I don't know what game Pete Thamel at ESPN was watching, talking about how solid Kyle McCord was. I don't know what game he was watching. Okay, but I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I don't know. You tell me. That was a. Eef. I'm a simple man, Steve. I, I like the numbers. <laughs> I add up the numbers, and I figure if JJ McCarthy's first touchdown pass was incorrectly reviewed by the officials and should have been brought back because his arm was past the line of scrimmage. And you're right about that, by the way. We That should not have counted. You're right. Yeah. That I know that the East Carolina defense would have held after that touchdown play. So you take that seven off, you go 23-3 on the Michigan win over East Carolina, and it seems to be, what, 23-3, 23-3. So I don't know what was so bad about that Ohio State performance. No. Yes. It, it well was well bad. played. I it, like it. I like it. Well played. It, it was, uh, yes. So my biggest concern remains offensive line. Despite the Kyle McCord eh, performance, the offensive line pass protected pretty well, well enough. I do think that the Indiana defense is pretty athletic and pretty stout up front. And I also believe that Kyle McCord just showed so the the delivery, the confidence, the decision-making, the I know exactly where I'm going with the football, J.J. McCarthy analysis we just ran through is further from the truth, you know, for Kyle McCord. He looked very hesitant. He's got a much better arm than he showed. You know when a quarterback isn't quite convicted when he's throwing the ball. Kyle McCord can sling it. He's He's got the arm, but he looked like a guy that was just kind of like, I think I should go in that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, he threw a ball at Marvin Harrison down near the goal line where you're looking at the best wide receiver in college football and and also his physical attributes. And the the coverage is right in front of him. And he's got a, an entire end zone and a pylon back here. And he like throws it at his knees. And it's like, throw that thing out there to the end zone. It's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interception was bad, bad decision. You know, when you when you merge a bad decision with a bad pass, uh, that usually is the result right there. Uh, he started to zip it around a little bit late in the game. He looked a little sharper, a little bit better. What was interesting about the approach was they lined up under center more than pre-Urban Meyer. They, they tight sets, pro sets, under center. Hmm. It just, you know, from a athletic and in in approach, they they looked like Michigan. It looked like they flipped uniforms, but also just the the formations that they ran, crazy. What's your concern level? It's one week. It is a conference opponent. Indiana, obviously, would have the game circled. They've only beaten Ohio State what twice since nineteen, or they haven't beaten them at all since nineteen eighty eight. You know, so that was what uh, John Cooper's first year. 
Um, but we've seen Ohio State open against Indiana in the past and just like name the score, regardless of where the game was played. So what's your concern level? Moving forward, you're not going to learn much against, you know, this is the Jim Trestle Bowl with Youngstown State coming in. You're going to name your score Saturday. So what do you think? Yeah, they couldn't help but score against Indiana last year. They went to the locker room 44 mm. Um It's moderate. It's moderate. I'm not going to say I'm panicked or anything like that, but I'm not going to say it's just, ah, it'll be fine. No, it's it's an offensive line and a quarterback. And it was an offensive line at different positions last year. And now it looks as though they didn't fix the anticipated concerns of tackle. And now they had issues where they were getting controlled at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack between the two guards. And so that concerns me. Uh, and the defense didn't necessarily, they, they showed up and they played well, but we, we know what Indiana, Indiana tried to implement some kind of option offense. You know what is what is clunky? Ryan Day used the term clunky describing his offense. Well, what is clunky is watching a team that is not a service academy or Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson try to run an option. You know, when they don't quite know where the spacing's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and the quarterback's kind of looking at the running back, and they and it's just <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not like something you can implement two weeks before the game and think, oh, we're going to catch them off guard. Because Ohio State even said we weren't prepared for this, we didn't study this, or it wasn't on film, but. It still didn't didn't matter. It wasn't difficult to stop. So they basically faced a one-dimensional attack or an obvious attack that when Taven Jackson was in the game, he's just going to run the Wildcat and they're going to run the football and do this option. Or when Sorsby comes into the game, they're, they're going to drop back and they're going to try to chuck it downfield. So Tom Allen, beside the point, has a lot to figure out himself how he's going to navigate any kind of offense the rest of the season. So the defense looked good. But it's easier to look good when you're facing a one-dimensional offense. Well, keep in mind, Tom Allen is a good defensive coach. And during the BTN camp tour, the one positive they said about Indiana is they thought their defensive front looked dramatically improved from a year ago. And so that, you know, give them some credit. They're on scholarship, too. They're still a Big Ten football program, so they get some credit as well and maybe causing some of those struggles. So, all right. Thank you, Mark. Always good to see you, brother. Take care. Steve, I made myself feel better by sending out a tweet reciting a number of scores, September scores for national champions that that didn't look so good in September. Just to make myself feel a little bit better. Well done with the copium. Well done. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Steve. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you strangers aren't strangers for long the size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music and we celebrate every last ray of sun the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, what's your biggest concern? 
after Michigan's first game of the 2023 season. 32% of you said the offensive line. 30% said keeping J.J. healthy. 22% said the pass rush. I'm less concerned about that after watching more of the game uh, with all that quick game that East Carolina was running. And we still got more pressures than I remembered by the naked eye first time watching it. 16% of you said nothing. Had to be something. I mean, I don't know how you're saying nothing. I mean, you, you at least have to be concerned that we keep J.J. McCarthy healthy and upright. But overall, you can see those, those answers are pretty well divided. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Speaking of keeping J.J. healthy, so cold and alone. That's sad. Funny, though. So cold and alone on Twitter says, J.J. gets hurt. We might be eight and four. Well, it depends on what time of the year J.J. were to get hurt. Let's hope it's not. It's no time of the year. If it's later in the year, Michigan's probably already 8, 9, 10, and 0. So that wouldn't be the case. But I, I agree with your sentiment based on what we saw this weekend. You know, knock on Formica here that uh, JJ stays healthy. The drop off there was precipitous with Davis Warren looking shaky as the backup. So um, that could be the key to the whole season right there. If JJ McCarthy is healthy, then what he presents along with Michigan's running backs is just too much to tangle with defensively. You have to choose one. And eventually, if you do, the other side uh, that you don't choose remains elite and will carve you up. Take him off the table, eh, okay? Especially with Cade McNamara now in Iowa City. So, all right, that'll do it for this week's episode. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, five-star review. Uh, No matter how you're watching, like right here on YouTube or listening, like over there on iTunes, help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And we appreciate all that you guys have done to do exactly that. You can follow me on Twitter in between episodes as well, at Michigan Podcast on Twitter. That's at Michigan Podcast on Twitter. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. We'll see you next week. Go Blue.